A word of warning. This episode contains mature language depicting instances of sexual, physical, and or emotional abuse of children. Hello everyone. My name is Bella Caroli and welcome to Fun with Gymnastics. I know you are a natural bar performer already because I'm sure everybody experienced all the swinging and hanging movements of your backyard. Be always very careful. Don't do anything too difficult for you. And don't be afraid to ask your parents or coaches to help you. Strengthen your body with exercise, but most of all, have fun with gymnastics. This is episode three, The Bella Show. By 1990, Bella Caroli was the face of gymnastics in the United States. Little girls from all over flocked to his gym in Houston. His summer camp sold out. And like any savvy sports personality of the era, he had an instructional video to help spread his message. You can do it. Now, with Lil' Kim from Houston, Texas, we're gonna go through step-by-step the whole motion of the famous back flip-flop. But for all the attention he was receiving, Bella Caroli was no closer to what he really wanted. He could sell all the fun with gymnastics VHS tapes in the world. He could coach a hundred Mary Lou Rettons. But after 10 years in the United States, Bella Caroli had failed to convince the U.S. Gymnastics Federation to hand over the program and give him the type of control he once had in Romania. There was resistance in the United States to a centralized Soviet system in those days. As a longtime Olympics writer, my reporting partner, Bonnie Ford, understood the hesitation about the system Bella came from. That system was something that we had ridiculed over here in the media as being draconian. The idea that you would pluck kids from kindergarten and evaluate them for their talent and put them in this very narrow, rigid system where they were denied their childhoods. That was really antithetical to what sports officials here thought was the way, which was to let the free market rule. The U.S. system emphasized the individual. Athletes trained at private gyms with personal coaches. There was no sharing of information between top programs to help the national team. You don't have a uniform style, a uniform standard, uniform expectations of athletes and coaches. So up against countries that had a centralized system, Bella thought the U.S. system was doomed and would never succeed at the Olympic level because they did not have that kind of unified approach that Romania and other Eastern Bloc countries had. But the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona seemed like a prime opportunity for Bella. If he could once again get himself named head coach and lead Team USA to a gold medal, he might finally convince the U.S. Gymnastics Federation to give him what he wanted. Well, I really would like to see what was my goal ever since started to spark uh, the idea. Yes, the American uh, gymnastic can be placed you know, on the superior pedestal on the international level. I like to see a worldwide recognition, the quality, the capability, and the superiority of the American gymnastic program. And his chances couldn't have looked better. His newest star, a local kid from Houston named Kim Zameskel, 
had once-in-a-generation talent. I was very lucky to have seen Mary Lou Retton train for the Olympics. I realized that I wanted to be like her and, and make it to the Olympics. What I was uh, watching and I was seeing in Kim Zemeskal, the joy of performing. She does it because she loves it. She always wanted to be a winner. She uh, definitely is one of the strongest gymnasts I ever coached uh, in my life. Yes, Kim Zemeskal! Kim won the 1991 World Championship at 15 years old. Just listen to the crowd, standing up! The first American woman ever to win an all-around medal at World. A 9987 gold for the Americans and Kim Zemesco. Bella was heading into Barcelona with the best gymnast in the world. But part of the reason Bella bristled at the U.S. system was that he wanted a monopoly, and he didn't have one. There were other ambitious coaches building their own programs, like his ex-protege, Steve Nuno. After he was a mentor or an employer, he became bitter enemy and rival. When Nuno left Bella and Marta's gym back in 1983, he'd set up shop in Edmond, Oklahoma, and opened a gym of his own. There, he put the work ethic and conditioning techniques he'd learned from the Carolis into practice. Shannon Miller met Nuno by chance at a clinic in Moscow. She was nine, a young gymnast with obvious talent. She lived in Edmond, not far from Steve's gym. She and her parents jumped at the chance to train with a guy who'd honed his craft with the great Bella Caroli. And while Bella and Kim were trying to build on her world championship, Steve and Shannon were quickly becoming a threat. And the score is coming up at 9 Seven for Shannon Miller. She is making it very, very tough on Zemesco. Shannon Miller upset Kim Zemesco to win the U.S. Olympic trials, putting the gymnasts and their coaches on a collision course for gold in Barcelona. Welcome to the Palo San Jordi, about three and a half miles from the Olympic Village for women's gymnastics. John Tesh, along with Tim Daggett and Elfie Schlegel, and this, of course, the master from Transylvania, Bella Caroli. For the second straight time, the Federation named Bella head coach of the Olympic team. But unlike 1988, he had a team that was capable of challenging the Russians and Romanians. The United States has a good chance to win the team title for the first time in its history. They came close in 84, but were edged by the Romanians. Bella and Marta personally coached three of the six athletes on Team USA, Kim Zemeskal, Carrie Strug, and Betty Aquino. But Bella was the Olympic head coach, so as far as the rest of the world was concerned, all of Team USA was Bella's team, Shannon Miller included. Kim Zemeskal, Shannon Miller, and the rest of Bella Caroli's gymnastics squad are trying to win the first ever U.S. team gold medal. The Olympics started with a team competition, Day one was compulsory routines. Day two was optionals. The team scores determined two things, who won team medals and which athletes competed in the individual events later that week. For a country, there was glory in a team medal. For a gymnast, the real glory was in the individual all around. We bring you the women's compulsory exercises in gymnastics. This is the beginning of the team competition. On the first day of team competition, reigning world champion Kim Zemeskal started on the balance beam. This is the world champion, 16-year-old Kim Zemeskal. 
U.S. Gymnastics Federation President Mike Jackie watched from the stand. Whoa, and she is off the beam. She fell off the beam on a back handspring. I'll bet she hadn't fallen off the beam on a back handspring in 10 years. Kim Zimeska's, uh, you know, performance was just disaster for Bela. Choreographer Geza Pozar understood exactly what that fall meant. Kimi Zimeska was Bela's uh, one of his favorite gymnasts ever, you know. He loved Kimi, you know. And Bela uh, took it a personal affront that uh, Kim did so bad. You know, he didn't like losers. So when you become a loser, you know, uh, you are done with Bela, you know. Houston Chronicle writer John Lopez saw Bela follow Kim off the competition floor and corner her. He was pretty adamant. He wasn't happy, I'll put it that way. John watched Bella launch into a tirade in an arena tunnel in full view of the media. And she's obviously, you know, upset, but nodding her head like, yeah, you know, you're right. I got to, you know, this is what we got to do, or I messed up or whatever. He's trying to, to get her back in the game. Right there in that moment, you know, his prized pupil, just like the starting quarterback, you know, just like uh, the starting point guard, made a huge mistake and he was mad and he was coaching her up. Bella and Marta had pinned all of their hopes on Kim Zemesko. And when she faltered, it opened the door for their other athletes to step up. You're 14 years old. You're standing here getting ready to mount the balance beam. And your name's Carrie Strzok. Take a deep breath. And you're probably really scared. (laughs) With a spotlight constantly on Kim, Carrie Strzok felt like she was always in her teammate's shadow. I was definitely not as confident in where I stood with them. I always wanted their approval. You want them to say, you know, good job. And for me, I had talent, but I definitely was not mentally tough. That was especially true at important meets. I was known for not really putting it together when it counted most, so I didn't like being known for that whatsoever. And now, here she was on the biggest stage imaginable, the Olympic Games. Good, good. You can hear Bella in the background saying, good, good. And Carrie Strug's score coming up right now. So how is that going to affect Kim Zemesko? Well, that certainly does open up the door. And remember, of course, Carrie is the person standing between Kim Zemesko and the all-around finals. Carrie performed even better than expected on the first day. If she could keep it up, she'd bump Kim Zemesko out. The reigning world champion was in danger of not making it to the all-around. Her situation was a desperate situation, which most of the other athletes wouldn't be able to go through. And uh, still had the power, still had the, the drive, still had you know, that, that anger, I'm gonna make it. Bella's tirade in the tunnel worked. I wanted to make her get angrier before, just in order you know, to get to that point, to show her anger through a, a great performance, and she did it. Kim Zemeskel came back with a vengeance on day two. But you know, what a fighter. Right from the start, she was in trouble at these Olympic Games, but she has battled back every inch of the way. Just the dismount. If she sticks, she just might do it. And oh. she back. Wow, that was the of her life. Double back. Perfect. And she doesn't just do it, she nails it. All-around scores for the Americans. Zemeskel just beats out Carrie Strug. Kim performed flawlessly, helping Team USA win a bronze medal 
and earning herself a spot in the all-around final. She had regained her momentum and looked like a world champion again. Everybody's been talking about Kim Zemesco. Start talking about Shannon Miller, 15 years old from Edmond, Oklahoma. But it was becoming clear that Shannon Miller was the U.S. force to be reckoned with. Watching American Shannon Miller establish herself as the woman to beat. Shannon scores are up, and wow. Beautiful work so far. She's hitting every single handstand. Come on out. Yeah. Oh. Shannon Miller and Lou Lee will share the silver. Shannon Miller ties for the bronze. Shannon Miller is a silver medalist here in Barcelona. Steve Nuno's gymnast, Shannon Miller, cleaned up. Bella just couldn't believe that Kim could be beat, and here comes Shannon Miller. When Shannon started to make her rise in stardom, he was competing against Nuno. It wasn't Zemeskel competing against Miller. It was Caroli competing against Nuno. Because he looked at it that it was coach against coach. When my athlete just kept winning medals, I, I would come back to it, got another medal, you know? Another glass of champagne, and he wouldn't raise his glass to me. And I'm like, come on, Bella, we get one glass. Yeah, he couldn't stand the fact that Shannon Miller was on top and Nuno was celebrating, jumping up and down. He hated it, hated every moment of it. Shannon won a total of five medals in Barcelona, including a silver in the individual all-around. Kim Zemesko, the reigning world champion, was shut out. It has been a tough week for Kim Zemesko, Bella Caroli, the man who brought her here. Bella's star didn't win a single individual medal. The team bronze, but uh, for the most part, unfulfilled Olympic dreams for Kim. Still, Kim and the U.S. team had won a bronze medal. It was the first team medal for the United States in an Olympics where the Soviets were competing. And yet, it wasn't a triumphant moment. Bella decided he'd had enough. Bella, will this medal end your team coaching career, do you believe? Yes. Uh, this medal, it's a nice medal. It's probably nicer than uh, all the other ones because that's the end of my career. The Crowleys announced their retirement and we were a little bit stunned. A definite decision that is tonight. Yes, it is a definite decision. We were disappointed that it didn't come to us first. They went home and there wasn't a real set goodbye. Bella said he was done coaching elite gymnastics and then he left Barcelona before the closing ceremony. People don't realize it's a huge deal for the U.S. team to get a medal in the team competition because they've never medaled in a, an Olympics when the, the Soviets, or right. in this case, the former Soviets, have been involved. And you had to read between the lines with Caroli what he was upset with, and maybe the reason why he's retiring, he can't stand the high-level politics. He himself has been involved in them, and he criticized the U.S. Uh, leaders and not being more proud of the American bronze last night. Caroli will leave the sport without ever seeing one of his teams, be it Romanian or American, defeat the Soviets or their successors at the Olympics. So for all his legendary success, this personal obsession was never put to rest for gymnastics' most famous coach. Let's talk about Bella. What do you think about his announcement that he's retiring? Do you think he'll change his mind, or do you think he's really going to be yeah, out of there? Yeah, I, I don't believe it. I know Bella would be a 
very big loss for American gymnastics if he quit. Well, why do you think he's saying he's going to retire if you don't think he really needs it? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Bella likes to create scandals. He's, he's always into the public guy. He has to say something. Um, I truly, in my heart, I don't feel it. I hope he stays in. Um, he's an unbelievable coach. He creates champion after champion. We need him. That disbelief over Bella's retirement echoed throughout the media. Bella was women's gymnastics in the United States. Networks built their coverage around him. This team is coached by arguably the most recognizable name in the sport of women's gymnastics, Bella Caroli. Well, there's no question that Bella is perhaps more famous than some of his great gymnasts like Mary Lou Retton and Nadia Comaneci. He's the most passionate... I'm doing television, I've ever seen. okay? And I have to sit down with my producers and we plan our stories like we all do and we... They are obsessed with Bella. Kathy Johnson-Clark had been an Olympian in 1984. When she retired from elite gymnastics, she moved into the broadcast booth. He was a centerpiece back then. He had the top athletes, and he was a show on the floor. He absolutely was a show. They wanted to tell that story. And uh, look at the landing. Hold him right. If Bella Caroli was not doing this, he'd be a conductor of an orchestra. <laughs> You were just coached by Bella Caroli. Everything was about Bella. It is a sport that is bigger than life. A sport whose most dominant figure in the world would appear himself bigger than life. Bella Caroli is gymnastics' most recognized name and most dominant personality. A big man in a small person's venue. I mean, I was literally nauseous at one point. I said, the show is the athletes. I said, you're creating a monster. Bella was a producer's dream, and he knew it. Bella was um, very user-friendly. Probably more than anybody I've ever covered, he knew how to play the game with the media. Scott Reed is a longtime reporter with the Orange County Register in California. Working the media, feeding the media, knowing which buttons to push, telling this great story and, and making it accessible. Bella turning you know reality into myth. He knew... That, that we would eat it up and swallow it whole without reading the side of the box for the ingredients. She got the grade A hug from Bella. He's not this big, happy, hugging guy all the time in the gym. You need to know that. This is a show. This is who he is for television. Bella Caroli was known for being a tough coach, for his demanding training regimen. Most commentators didn't know exactly what went on in his gym, but they portrayed it as being hard and disciplined and straight out of his Romanian playbook. But many wonder what really goes on behind closed doors at Caroli's gym. Critics claim Caroli is too demanding, too forceful, that the ends too often fail to justify the means. Some people see him as a very ruthless coach who's too tough on the kids. His rigorous training methods border on abuse. But you know what he is? A winner. Everywhere he's been, he is a winner. It was that success and Bella's intensity that drew so many young gymnasts and their parents in the first place. Bella Caroli was the king of elite gymnastics. He was untouchable. He was the guy who changed American gymnastics forever. Bella Caroli brought that Eastern block, no holds barred, you treat these girls like commodities and not like human beings and certainly not like children. Joan Ryan is the author of a book about the culture of gymnastics called Little Girls in Pretty Boxes. 
Now, were there other gymnastics coaches who pushed their athletes too hard? Yes, because it was just part of that culture. Many believe the Carolis set that standard, but I would argue it was here way before them. They just perfected it. Jennifer Say was the 1986 national all-around champion. She trained for most of her career with one of the Carolis' biggest rivals. You know, I started gymnastics in 1976. I can tell you, people were acting, behaving badly back in 1976. There was screaming, hitting, sexual abuse. These things were all just sort of standard operating procedure as far back as I can remember. And if you raised it or said that it was a problem, then you were just too sensitive or too weak or you weren't strong enough to make it in the sport. And so, you know, the Crowleys came here in the early 80s and they brought terrible tactics with them from Romania, but they produced champions. And so it validated those strategies. Bella didn't invent the culture but he set a tone and standards that the U.S. Gymnastics Federation had accepted as the price of results. We were publicly shamed for our weight. They were going to loudspeaker and announce what you weighed that day, how much you gained. A quarter pound was shameful. Um, You know, if a child had parents that were overweight, they would be shamed for that. I was at one time an overstuffed Christmas turkey. Um, At another time, I know my teammates were dead frogs, whole houses. Christy Phillips was the Caroli girl who Sports Illustrated had billed as the new Mary Lou. Some of these things, we would literally be in the chalk box, you know, putting chalk on our grips, going, "Did, did he really just call me an overstuffed Christmas turkey? Like, I wasn't just an overstuffed turkey. I was an overstuffed Christmas turkey. Carol Ulrich Dane was one of Christy's teammates. I think probably the hardest... Like the off, most awful times were when we were yelled at, and in a way, it was like a lot about, you know, how you look. You look heavy. You look fat. I mean, I remember I was probably ninety pounds, and um, four foot ten. And he says, "No, actually, you're you're in a, you're as big as a condominium complex." Um, you know, and for a sixteen, fifteen year old girl, it's hard to hear things like that. It was probably some emotional abuse, if that's the right way to call it. Between the 1992 and 1996 Olympics, more questions were raised about what elite-level gymnastics required of young women, most of whom were still girls. The hours and years of training and the type of training in order to be the best in the world by the time they're 15 and at most 16... What does that do to a body that's still developing? What does that do to a psyche that's still developing? Behind the smiles, the glamour, the ponytails of these young athletes going for the gold. They're physically and verbally traumatized. Are little girls driven to win at all costs. Did your parents know you were injured? Joan Ryan's book detailed what she described as a culture of celebrated child abuse in women's gymnastics. It came out in the lead-up to the 1996 Olympics. Her revelations were shocking enough to catch Oprah Winfrey's attention. After today's show, you'll see young athletes through different eyes, little girls with fractured bones and broken hearts, living in constant fear of a fall from grace. Then ask yourself, are these girls being trained or tortured? Next. Millions of viewers tuned into the Oprah Winfrey show every weekday to see Oprah's self-help segments and celebrity interviews. In May 1996, they watched as Oprah questioned several gymnasts about Bella Caroli. 
You think Bella gets a bad rap? I think that he, he gets a pretty bad rap. Um, of course, what he does is not always the right thing to do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying what he does is right. But to him, that's what he knows, how to make a champion. And each person is an individual. If you, do you believe that's what it takes to make a champion? He's hard on the girls. I don't think that that's the only way to make a champion. I think that's his way. Christy Phillips was one of the gymnasts Joan interviewed for her book. And she was invited to be a part of Oprah's show that day. You don't I, think it's abuse? No. I can take it. He really is that sort of inspirational, charismatic character that you instinctively, especially as a young female, you want to please. It's like pleasing your dad. So these girls lived for the pat on the head, lived for the smile that he would give you, that you had nailed it. You really did it. You were a good girl. I mean, you could characterize it as an abusive relationship, right? Because there's this whole dependence enabling thing that goes on that's really complex and it's especially easy to do that with a young girl who's desperate to achieve her goal because she loves this sport she's willing to do anything and then you have this incredibly charismatic guy who has done this over and over with girls gotten them to the top of the mountain so I think it's um I think it's a very deep, complex relationship that these girls end up having with Bella. Joan went to the Caroli gym in Houston to interview Bella while she was writing her book. I sat there and I said, oh, I get it. I get it now. I mean, you want to run through a wall for this guy. Joan met the gregarious coach who'd convinced Mary Lou's parents to allow their teenage daughter to move far away from home the first time they met the man who gave Christy Phillips her confidence. And as Joan presented Bella with the disturbing stories she'd heard from gymnasts and parents, he brushed them all off. You don't see any of my Olympic gold medalists complaining about it, do you? And that's what he'd say. These were all losers. So that's why they're complaining and they're trying to blame me for their own failures. It was anyone's fault but his. Parents... They never looked out for their kids. If they had an eating disorder, that's on the parents. I'm not their dad. Uh, who you are? I'm Leslie Stahl. Yes, I 60 am. Minutes. Oh, great. How you yeah. been doing? I've been doing great. great. How have you been doing? I'm fine. What about these charges? Thank that you very that, much, that these girls all have eating disorders? Well, you know, as the girls in the house, these girls, I did ask already the girls. collected a lot, a lot of. We are having much more important things I know to concentrate what? the eating disorder and all the garbage, but you are getting around and we're trying you know, to make a publicity to a show which has no valid basis to do it. But if and it's not true, case, why don't you say so? And that's the, I told you it's not true. I tell no, you, you the garbage, what you are gathering. And that's, that's a sorry way to make a living. Did you decall these girls' Goodbye. names? Do you call them yes. fat pigs? That's very, very, very nice. Do you demean them? them? Do you debase them? Nice. Okay, push Mr. Caroli? Goodbye. The U.S. Gymnastics Federation, which became USA Gymnastics in 1993, didn't formally respond to Joan's book. Geza Pozar says he was told by the head of the women's program to deflect any questions he got. Bella was the only one 
who can produce medals. And for them, most important things to survive was medals. Medals, medals, medals. You get the medals, we get the sponsors, you know. And the uh, end justifies the means. In the two years since Bella had stepped away from coaching, the scrutiny of his methods and the overall culture of gymnastics had only grown. But Bella ignored his critics and decided to step back into the arena as an elite coach. His latest protege, Dominique Moshianu, had the look of a champion, and Bella Caroli had every intention of making her one. The protege of Bella Caroli, in fact, has kept Bella out of retirement. So great is her potential. She is legit. She has everything that it takes to be a champion. All right, keep it a little more hollow. You won't bend it a little bit too much. The next superstar of U.S. gymnastics just might be Dominic Mochianu. If you or someone you know has been subjected to sexual assault or abuse and you would like more information or support, these hotlines can help. Rain's 24-7 Confidential National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-4673 or Child Help, 1-800-422-4453. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coming up on the next episode of Heavy Metals. Is 96 Olympic all-around champion within your grasp? I hope so. She was supposed to be the next Nadia Comaneci. I remember there being so much chaos right before I went for my vault. I said to myself, you can and you will do this. I'm about to go and I have almost a panic attack inside. Raise your arms, snap down hard, tight turn. I just remember my feet slipping from under me. I was stunned. This girl really could handle the pressure usually. So Carrie Strug, it is up to her. She's the last to go. She's the only one who can do it. 
Heavy Metals was reported by me, Alyssa Ronick, and Bonnie Ford. Producers Andrew Mambo and Meredith Hodnott. Senior producer Julia Lowry Henderson. Executive producers Libby Geist and Aaron Leiden. Mix engineering and sound design by Mitra Caboli. Production management and licensing Luis Argianis, Kath Sankey, and Jennifer Thorpe. Production assistants Riley Bloom, Gus Navarro, Samantha Dowd, and Trevor Gill. Original music by Ian Koss. Executive producers for ESPN, Connor Shell, Rob King, and Allison Overholt. This podcast was developed by Jenna Anthony and Adam Newhouse with help from Jody Avergan. Additional production support from Amy Van Dusen and Eve Wolf. Archival producer, Juliana Branham. John Mastro Berardino provided fact-checking. Terry Langford did legal research. ESPN Audio, Tom Ricks, Megan Judge, Pete Giannassini, and Ryan Graner. Special thanks to Jenna Janovey and Elaine Tang, Jolene Van Viet, and the production teams at ESPN LA and ESPN New York. This season of 30 for 30 podcasts was produced in association with ESPNW.